thanks for joining us today on the nateholdridge.com podcast. Today, we're talking about suffering, but we're framing it maybe in a different way than you're used to viewing it. Today, we're looking at how suffering can actually benefit us. What does God want to do with our suffering? How does he redeem it? What does that mean for us in our communities, with our churches, with our families, with the people around us? And so today, Pastor Nate's kind of talking us through what that looks like. And we hope that this conversation is encouraging for you in your walk, especially as you come into suffering in your life. So without further ado, let's jump right in. This is a really interesting article because it sounds like it didn't come from you originally. It came from your dad, from from Big Bill, yeah. Bill Holdridge. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I had these notes, but I had some, if, if uh, just a little <laughs> exhortation, be yeah. a note taker when you're, mm. when you're listening to Bible studies. Yeah. Uh, because it was from some study that he gave ages ago on the church in Smyrna, which is the suffering mm. church of Revelation two and three. And he talked about in that teaching some, uh, blessings or good outcomes that God can bring in a Christian's life through suffering. And he just kind of had a list of them. Yeah, yeah. And so I just liked that list and took them and said, oh, I want to write about each one of those things, give a background verse, you know, attached to each one of those uh, things that God produces, and then uh, just kind of color it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. When I first started reading the article, I was like, oh man, Pastor Bill, that's yeah. so great, man. <laughs> I love that you're just like even listening to him and taking notes from your dad. That's just such a cool mm-hmm. thing. And this article, I mean, in particular, suffering, when we're talking about how suffering can benefit us, I think that even that title seems like a little provocative in a way to think that suffering could actually benefit from us. I think we, I mean, I know I, I view life and I try to oftentimes be as comfortable as I can, sometimes to a fault, you know? We live in a society and a culture that drives sure, on sure, comfort and sure. to think as think of suffering as something that God can redeem is so uh, paradigm shifting. It almost reminded me of like, a, it's like spiritual like jujitsu or something like that, you know, like where you, like that martial art where you, as if you can see me, if you could see me, listener, I'm no martial artist at all. But <laughs> from what I can understand, jujitsu, you use your opponent's strength against them. Right. And it seems like in this article, you're talking about how God can use suffering, something that seems evil to us and harmful right. for our good, so that right. could bless him. Yeah. And so it's just like paradigm shifting. Is that kind of how this was for you? To when you're listening to yeah, to a degree, to, to a degree for sure. I mean, I understand exactly what you're saying. And then on the other hand, I really don't think it's as paradigm shifting as we might think mm, because yeah. you know we usually grow up and realize that one of the first things we need to do is learn how to walk, how to use mm-hmm. the bodies that right. you know God has given to us, and none of us just uh, acquires that skill without a mm-hmm. fair amount of pain and suffering and yeah, falling right. down, and you know then we 
go through the process of learning language, you know, and that is a experiment and failure and, right. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, testing the waters and trying to learn and grow and, and, and being able to communicate it's, it's through frustration and the mm. suffering of not being able to communicate that you would learn a language. And then at a pretty early age, at least in our culture, we're sent away to school and we, we start studying and mm-hmm. nobody looks at that as something that is a blissful experience, you right. know, exclusively over the next, you know, 13 or 17 or 20 years. It's something that you understand this study is going to be painful mm-hmm. at times yeah. and difficult at times, but it's necessary to acquire what I want to acquire. Uh, we think about it in the physical realm. You know, I want to get stronger. I'm mm-hmm. going to have to suffer. No pain, no gain is kind of a right, mantra right. that we all have. So I really don't think it's as paradigm shifting as we might think. We all kind of know intuitively that if you want to grow, if you want to, uh, you know, be matured, there's going to be an element of pain that's that's attached to live a yeah. painless experience in life. Uh, you know, probably means that you're just really not even wanting really to grow um, and doesn't usually lead to the things that produce, you know, great joy and all of that. So, uh, but, but I get what you're saying, you know, a lot of times we won't think of those things as suffering, Mm. you know, by themselves. We'll think, you know, that's just, you know, maybe the, the, the lumps that you got to take in life, Yeah. you know, but the reality is God redeems that pain and that heartache to produce something great or can at least to produce something great and wonderful in our lives. Yeah. I'm really glad you framed it like that. That actually kind of leads me to my next question, which is about, you know, when we talk about suffering, I think it's just really, it's common to, to shift the blame for where suffering comes from. And I would love to just hear your thoughts about like the origin of suffering. Like how do we understand this kind of suffering you're talking about today? Are you talking about suffering that is induced by God or by Satan from our enemy, or is this through just like inherent sin within man? Yeah, so human suffering, uh, in the sense that we're talking about it, we're basically talking about a world that is imperfect right. and broken. So the way the Bible lays it out in Genesis 2, God created for mankind at least this world that was without flaw and without death, and really without, you know, the kind of pain that we would call evil mm. pain, you know, mm-hmm. he had to work, you know, and things like that. But it was very different from our current experience. And so God said, you know, in order to, in order to have mankind be uh, better than a robotic you know, responder to a created being, he put a tree in the garden that man was called to tend and said, if you eat of that tree, the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, you will die. And so man did express his will and ate of that tree. And that's when sin and death, we call it the curse, of course, Mm -hmm. entered into the world. So it's through that curse that there's animosity and anger and, you know, bitterness and death physically, ultimately, uh, death spiritually. It's through that curse that all of those forms of suffering have been brought into the world. So in a sense, you could say that suffering, you know, originates with sin. Mm -hmm. But because of that, you could say, well, you know, the devil seems to have 
had a role in it in mm-hmm. the sense that he was actively tempting right. the man and the woman to draw them into sin. Uh, you would certainly say that our ancestor, our great forefather, Adam, uh, he was involved in that he's the one who actually committed the sin, mm-hmm. and we think of that as a federal, as him as our federal head in the sense that what he did was representative of the entire race right. of people that would come after him. And then you could also, in a sense, say that, you know, God was involved in the sense that he built and designed the universe in, in such a way that it would be a respecter of mm-hmm. man's decision. And then he followed through with that decision and allowed the fall to take place as a result of man's sin. So, you know, in a sense, you could say, you know, man was involved, the devil was involved, and even God himself in in a specific kind of way was mm-hmm. involved. Yeah. And so even now, you know, it's like God, he is, it, it seems as if what he wants to do is take all of that brokenness and all of that suffering, and he wants to use it for his glory. Right. And, you know, the truth is that probably most of us wouldn't turn to him, wouldn't sense a need for him without some measure yeah. of pain or hardship in this life, including things like guilt and shame, you know, yeah. that are, by his grace, he's allowed to be embedded in our human experience, mm-hmm. you know, and that we try to run from and even try to, um, you know, annihilate by searing our consciences, you yeah. know. Um, so, you know, I think in a sense you could say it's, you know, everybody was involved, but the if you're looking for blame, I think humanity takes the blame in that we sinned right along with Adam. And then we, right. of course, each subsequent birth and generation that follows backs up that reality <laughs> by continuing to sin. Yeah, so true. I think that's just helpful for us in thinking through this article about how God can really use so much of this to, he can just transform what suffering does and he can transform it into something that's actually good and beneficial. I just love that, that title again, how suffering can actually benefit us. So now we can just jump right into the article. Nate, there's like five or I think there's five different points that you have on here that you kind of elaborate on. We might be able to get to most of them, but this first one is really interesting to me. And I know it'll be interesting to anybody who reads this article, but that first one is that suffering is preventative, which to me was really interesting because I think that we oftentimes look at suffering and recognize suffering as a byproduct of sin. But you laid out how, um, you laid out an example of how suffering could actually be a preventative to sin. Mm -hmm. So um, can you kind of explain that to us a little bit? Yeah, a guard or a protection from sin. So the... Example that we looked at scripturally was from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul had a vision of heaven, Mm -hmm. or or actually he felt was actually caught up into heaven itself and and saw the Lord, but then came back to earth. And he felt that there was a danger that he would become overly conceited because of that revelation. And so God gave him what he called a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass him, to keep him from becoming conceited. Mm. So in Paul's mind, that form of suffering, you know, whatever that thorn of the flesh was, and I think, I think I've think i read of, uh, I remember seeing a list compiled where I think it was like 20 different 
guesses that people have yeah. made as to what his thorn in the flesh was. But it seems to have been something probably physical mm. that was really painful in his life. We know at the very least that he did not like it because he prayed repeatedly three times that it would depart from him. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. But his feeling about it was God gave this to me so that I wouldn't commit the sin of pride. Yeah. And it would just, you know, keep me low. So, you know, when we think about various forms of suffering, you know, it could be that God will use or allow it into our own lives or just simply redeem it in our own lives for a similar purpose, mm-hmm. you know, to give us a a feeling of humility that maybe we would not have had uh, without it. Maybe you grew up and you were, you know, a star athlete or, you know, you always, uh, you know, were healthy and strong and just couldn't, you know, maybe even had an element of pride about that, you right. know, that you were a self-made, you know, kind of person. But maybe through being uh, put in a wheelchair or something like mm-hmm. that, you begin to experience just a different side of hu- wow. humanity and a compassion comes into your heart that would not have been as easily gained in your life without that experience. Not that it would be impossible uh, to gain it without that experience and yeah. not that it is guaranteed with the experience because we all know people who have gone through suffering and trials and have come out yeah. um, not better but right. bitter and frustrated and you know haven't allowed the Lord to use them in their, in their lives. But uh, sometimes... Pain might be useful to God mm. to bring us into a more humble state Amen. and just the way that we're feeling about things and seeing things. So, you know, the the opposite of poverty would be uh, wealth or not even sometimes we think of poverty as something that is just I'm poor right. uh, and wealth as I have means. But maybe if you think about it in a different way, like poverty being uh, more of like a systemic thing that you're just born into and Mm -hmm. wealth being a systemic thing that you're Mm -hmm. born into, uh, it might not be as easy for someone who's wealthy to have compassion on someone who's in poverty. But then if poverty comes into their lives, you have might be able to gain a different perspective and attitude. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it really could be that it's preventative keeping you from some kind of sin, you know, and it's really interesting that Paul was able to identify the specific sin that he felt that level of suffering Mm -hmm. was keeping him from. I don't know if that was something that he really just asked God for discernment about or, you know, over time uh, figured out, because certainly when he first started praying about it, he didn't see it because he's asking Jesus to remove it from him. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't saying, Lord, I know this is going to keep me from sin, but please you know, I don't mind the sin. I want the pain to go away. It seems that though later he probably realized, oh, that's what God was doing through this pain. It's keeping me low. And so I don't know if he prayed Mm. for that wisdom or that insight, but I think that's a a healthy thing for a believer to do is to say, okay, Lord, this suffering is here. It's coming into my life. What is it that you're trying to teach me? Is there a sin that you're trying to keep me from that you're going to use this to, to help me stay away from it. Amen. That's super good. Very good to consider. Um, you also talk an, about, Nate, um, how suffering helps us to learn obedience. Can you talk about how, how Jesus experienced like learning this, and what does his example mean for us? 
particularly. Yeah, so the verse we used here was Hebrews 5, verse 8, which talks about Jesus. And it says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. The idea being that as the second person of Trinity, he was in a glorious position. Right. But in his humanity, as he set aside the privileges of his deity, he learned this new level of submission and obedience through the suffering mm-hmm. that he went through and endured. And, and it seems like the idea is that at the cross, Jesus was enduring the deepest level of obedience mm-hmm. that he, and submission that he'd ever experienced. That's kind of the idea of the Garden of Gethsemane prayer time before the Father when Jesus said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The idea is the whole concept of obedience is coming to a massive head at that point. And yet the Father helped him, the Spirit enabled him, and Christ learned obedience. Uh, it says there in Hebrews 5.8, through the things that he suffered. Yeah. So... You know, what we know as believers is that obedience is the secret sauce, you know, of the mm-hmm. Christian life. It leads to yeah. great blessing and, you know, the best for, for life. And there will be moments, snap moments all throughout our lives where we will have a decision to obey or not mm-hmm. to obey. Yeah. And so maybe if you think of it like this, Think of yourself having a certain amount of obedience units inside of you. <laughs> yeah. And there will be different moments throughout your whole life where you're going to need to expend those obedience yeah. units. So to learn how to, 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 to go through suffering with the Lord and with his help and with his strength, it helps you um, accept God's will for your life. Yeah, it helps absolutely. you come to this place of just saying, God, you know, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I don't want this. I agree with Jesus's prayer. If it's possible to let this cup pass from me, mm-hmm. nevertheless, not as I will, but, but as you will. I agree with all of that, but you haven't taken it away. Mm-hmm. And so I am going to just come under your plan for my life, the things that you're doing in my life. I'm going to come under that. I'm going to embrace that. And the idea then is that your obedience units increase through yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So then when some other you know situation comes up where you have a decision hmm. to obey or not to obey, you more easily can make the obedience decision. You know, if someone, to, to use the example we've already used about like a physical limitation or illness, or infirmity, right? You know, as you're thinking about something like that, you might be saying, "Like God, you know, I, I, uh, I wish that this. I'm praying that this injury that I have would be dealt with. You yeah. know, I've got this horrible back or something like that, and I, I'm praying that you would deal with it, that you would touch it, that it would go away. Um, and then if it doesn't, you kind of have this thing where, like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go through this with you. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not going to turn to a bunch of drugs and just, you know, right. You know, become addicted to that. I'm going to walk through this with you. I'll go pursue medical help. I'll continue to pray about it, but I'm going to walk through this with you. You've allowed this to my life, into my life. Somehow I can still have the joy of the Lord, even with this thing. 
it's not like you really have a choice about it in that point. You know, right. it's, you're not the the choice isn't to have a bad back or not have a bad back. The choice is, am I going to come under, mm. or am I going to just be angry and bitter yeah. about this? So once you figure out, okay, I'm going to come under. I'm going to allow the joy of the Lord to still be present in my life. Then, like I said, those obedience units get built up. And then someone brings some kind of level of temptation into your life where right. you actually have a legitimate choice. Huh. And apparently you have a better understanding of how to obey because you have already come to the place of saying, no, I've, I've learned how to submit to something really big that I didn't like. And so I can do that in the smaller yeah. kind of space. Hmm. That's super good. As you were talking about that, it was reminding me of, I don't know if you talked about it here on the podcast or just with our staff, but you've mentioned how in pastoral ministry you've had to submit to leaders before and how it was hard for you. Mm-hmm. Would you mind, I don't need to put you on the spot, would you mind giving us kind of like a personal example of how that's looked in your life to go through suffering and how it taught you obedience? Through submission? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, well, I mean... There's all kinds of memories that I have of the uh, decade plus that I was uh, serving and operating as a as a young pastor and mm-hmm. as a, an assistant pastor and uh, overseeing various ministries where I wanted to do things in a certain way and you know the existing church leadership said you know thanks but but no thanks right, had plenty right. of times where I'd make decisions even and embark on a little journey and it just immediately would be told you can't do that <laughs> no that's not going to happen uh, so there's plenty of those but I think in more my more modern you know more recent uh, kind of life and experience you know I really respect the pastors that I get to co-labor with here mm-hmm. in the church and you know, there there are certain things that I really like to do. Like for me, yeah. I I would not mind having like three midweek services a week, <laughs> you know, where I'm just able to teach Crank the Bible and other yeah. people are able to teach the Bible and we're just able to just gather and teach mm. and just gather and teach. But, you know, as we've kind of worked through that and, you know, really prayerfully sought the Lord about that, the collective determination of the pastoral group is that that's not the direction Mm -hmm. that we're wanting to take the church in and that there are other ways for us to um you know express that kind of heart and live out that kind of desire one of those is happening right now you know as we record this podcast it's just a creative different kind of way to get Mm -hmm. teaching out into people's lives hopefully in a more effective kind of way than a come and gather kind of approach, you know? So we've decided more intentionally to have our Sunday experience be more of the come and gather kind of time. And then throughout the week is the go and spread uh, kind of mentality. And, you know, as we've like talked about that and prayed about that at each stop and iteration of the church, um, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a secret part of me that that wished that at one of these meetings, you know, the one we're talking about it and praying about it, all of them just said like, "Dude, let's just meet every single week on like Wednesday nights and yeah. you just teach, you know, every single one of those services. Like, let's just do that, you know? Like there's a part of me that kind of wants that, you know, right. but but I've learned over time that that that's 
the vision that God has given to us, mm. it is the right vision for this church, for this time, for this season of all of our lives and this season of this church's life. And I'm seeing the benefits right. of doing it that way. Mm. Uh, but, you know, there's times where it's hard to hard to submit to, you yeah, know, so yeah. I don't know if that, that's a good example or not. But, you know, no, that's that, really cool to hear. Um, but we can keep moving on through the article. Uh, you talk about suffering and how it connects us to Jesus. I thought this was so cool because, you know, you know, it's one thing to connect with those around us who are suffering, with people who are in the flesh. But when I think of Jesus, you know, it can mm-hmm. be hard sometimes to connect because he's not a physical man here in the room with us. You can't just grab his hand and pray with him or something like that. But it feels like we connect with him more spiritually but I feel like there is also this element that you talked about in the article about just life, the suffering we go through, and how that does connect us to Jesus. So can you kind of elaborate a bit a bit on that? How does suffering in our life actually connect us to Jesus? Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. Jesus suffered a lot. So mm-hmm. when you suffer, you're experiencing a little <laughs> bit yeah. of what Jesus suffered. Yeah. Um, you know, but then you can, and and to me at least... The more that you learn of the life of Christ, mm-hmm. the more that you you know familiarize yourself with the Gospels and get to get to know Jesus, so to speak, in that yeah. kind of way, I mm-hmm. think the more that you're able to connect more specific versions of suffering with yeah. Jesus's life. You know, like for instance, um, you know, I think one pretty significant source of of suffering in people's lives lives is being misunderstood Hmm. or betrayed by someone or uh, mistreated by someone who should have or was supposed to be there for them and support of them, you know, abandonment issues, abuse, you know, things like that. And so Jesus's experience with Judas is Hmm. really helpful to dive into and to think about with a lot of those elements of life, you know, and, you know, we might say to ourselves, well, you know, Judas, yeah, I mean, he betrayed the Lord and it was really bad, but, you know, there's such abuses throughout the world that are just seem so much harsher than that. But if you think about it in the element of degrees between how evil Judas was versus how pure and undefiled Mm. and guiltless Christ was, then the gap is, you know, it's not just bigger, it's an infinite gap. You know, the difference, you know, between us and those who cause suffering or pain against us when it comes to the, the spectrum of evil, you know, there might be a gap that's there, but we're all broken and, Mm. and under sin, but Christ wasn't. So it was just a catastrophe, you know, that in all of that innocence, he was betrayed, you know, in that kind of way. Mm. So that might be an example, you know, that, you know, there, there you have, you know, this element in the life of Jesus where he went through that with Judas and how that can touch into your own life. And Paul called this in Philippians 3, verse 10, sharing in his sufferings and right. becoming like him in his death. Mm. Some versions call it the fellowship of his sufferings. Yeah, there's just something different to learn and to know about Christ, you know, through that kind of pain. I know for me, um, you know, uh, I was, I think I was sharing with you the other day after our morning Sunday services mm-hmm. uh, that I just kind of went in my office real quick before I went and ate lunch. <laughs> yeah. And I was just sat, just kind of 
taking a breath and I was thinking about uh, 2 Corinthians 13 and there's just a little phrase that says love never fails and then right Mm -hmm. after that Paul talks about prophecies are going to fail this ministry is going to fail tongues is going to fail you know you're not going to need to do all that stuff forever you know in heaven there's not going to be that kind of need for like okay you know like Nate's going to teach a bible study now you know like that's (laughs) not going to be a necessary component of that part of our lives but love will be part of it you know love never fails and I just was kind of telling you like oh man that just ministered to me you know like there's going to come a day where (laughs) we don't you know this level of work although we love it yeah we're all about it right we're not going to have to do it anymore Mm -hmm. but love will will you know be there but you know that that uh enduring part of jesus you know like that Mm -hmm. that that suffering that he went through where it was like an enduring suffering enduring with his disciples enduring to the cross enduring the actual six hours of agony on the cross Mm. that enduring part of christ's suffering that really ministers to me all the time you know just of that like man keep keep going like i'm tasting something of jesus here that enduring element of him that you know, I just would not have known if I had not had to experience what it's like to endure mm. in a level of obedience, you know. So in just a ton of ways, it deepens our fellowship with Christ be- because he suffered, you know, to a greater degree than than we ever will. Amen. Right. That enduring characteristic of Jesus is always so strengthening to me, too. It's cool you brought that up. To kind of wrap this up, Nate, uh, the last thing you talk about is empathy and how suf- suffering can create empathy within Christians for the body of Christ. And I kind of just wanted to ask you, you know, just thinking about that, do we as Christians, do we need to go through the same kind of situations that other people are going through in order to empathize with them through something? Or is it enough to maybe intellectually or just mindfully just know what somebody's going through and to stand with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, so how does suffering play into that? Yeah, so the verses that we're using for this is 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Right. And then 2 Corinthians 1, 5, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Uh, to your question... You'd have to say, no, you don't have to suffer in the exact same way as someone else has suffered in order to be able to have empathy or to be able to minister to them because Jesus didn't suffer exactly like all of us have suffered. I mean, yes, for instance, right. he's never ex- he's never gone, endured the female experience, right. yet through his levels of suffering, he's able to minister to every female that mm-hmm. opens her heart up Amen. to him and, and mm-hmm. seeks him, you know, to... to comfort her, to help her, to encourage her. Um, so I think maybe the other question that you might be asking is, do I, if I don't have to suffer in the exact same ways, do I have to suffer in order to even have empathy? Right. You know, right. does it, it, maybe it's not going to be the same exact suffering, but could I have, you know, that kind of care, yeah. that kind of, you know, feeling what you're feeling even if I haven't gone through exactly what you're going through, or even if I'm not to the degree that you're in pain, you know, going through something. And, you know, you'd hope that by the 
power of the Holy Spirit, there would be the possibility that an empathy could grow in your heart even without pain and without suffering. But it, to me, it's kind of a it's a moot point kind of question mm. because it's like asking. I mean, basically, what you're asking there is, so uh, how about I don't suffer? Right. And, and that's just not going to be an option for chill. anybody. Yeah. So the question is, because everyone will suffer to some degree or, right. or another. So the, the, the real deal is, will I allow, will you allow the suffering that you endure to make you sweeter, gentler, mm-hmm. kinder, right. uh, more empathetic towards the people that are around you? So, you know, for instance, if you are treated unfairly, or misunderstood or falsely represented in just some really minor thing. Mm-hmm. And you allow that pain to just kind of fill your heart. You try to get through it. You go through it with the strength of the Lord. Um, and you come out on the other side. Okay, cool. You know, I went through that. I did not like that. That was not fun, but the Lord was there with me. Yeah. When someone else is going through a degree of betrayal or misrepresentation, they're treated unfairly to a much greater degree than you were. Your job isn't to say, dude, I totally know what you're going through. (laughs) Don't be that guy. You don't know. You know, you don't know. Right. But what you can stop to consider is, wow, I remember... I remember being tempted to just be in a rage Mm. over that teeny little offense that was committed towards me. And this person is really, they really have gotten uh, a raw deal. You know, they've really been treated unfairly. And if I felt that way over something so minor, Mm. I can't imagine how they're feeling about something so significant, you know, and so major. And allowing the Lord to sort of multiply that effect in your own heart, you know. I'm sure this has happened to plenty of us that are, you know, hanging out in this podcast today when it comes to like the realm of sickness, you know, where you get some kind of illness, you know, that maybe the doctor says like, yeah, you're going to have this, you know, the rest of your life and, you know, it's treatable, but it's going to kind of slow you down a little bit or or even just a temporary illness that you've gotten where you're, you're just bumming, it's painful, it's hard. And then just imagine how that could be used and redeemed by the Lord to help you when you are trying to minister to someone who mm. their illness is lifelong or their yeah. illness is life threatening. And there you are, you know, just going, man, I mean, I I felt really tossed with something that, you know, only lasted a, f- a few months or a few mm. years or the, you know, I'm going to be able to live with it, but they're yeah. going to probably die, you know it can create a deeper brand Mm -hmm. of empathy, you know? So obviously it is so encouraging just practically as Christians to find other people who have gone through the same exact or really similar kinds of types of suffering as as you've gone through. But I think that there is the possibility that we could be really encouraging, really good at ministering to each other, even without having gone specifically through the trial that someone else is going through. Yeah, that's good. That's beautiful. It reminds me of one of the pastors on our staff, Pastor Matt, who has a chronic illness that he'll have for the rest of his life and how that's produced such an empathy within him for people who are sick. Yep. I, and every time I talk to him, he's always like, how are you feeling? 
how's your body doing? I'm like, nobody ever asks me that. But、mm-hmm. he asks that because, you know, he's conscious of that. He's thinking really, about that. Yeah, really. In his own life. Yeah. Yeah, it's very present in his mind. So that's a beautiful way of framing it. Just to kind of close this out, Nate, do you have just any kind of final words for somebody who maybe is going through the thick of it right now or who is suffering?、Um, what kind of encouragement would you give them? And what kind of hope should they have in just knowing that、um, Christ can really use their suffering for good? Yeah, I mean, the beautiful truth of Romans 8, you know, that he's by his spirit, he'll use all things together for good. Yeah.、Uh, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, which is another way of saying for his children.、Mm. You know, so he is using those elements in your life.、Mm-hmm. And to just, you know, go to the Lord, say, Lord, how are you using this? You know, why are you using this? What are you trying to do here? But then also, Just understanding that he is not a father who is looking for or in expectation of some kind of plastic y,、hmm. perfect, you know, clean response、right. to this whole thing. You know, the reality is suffering, it's lame.、Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's、right. not this joyful experience. And the father knows that that is part of our. Human experience and life on this side of eternity. He hates it, by the、right. way. That's why he sent his son to、Amen. shed his blood so that we、yeah. could get redeemed out of this whole mess. And that is the way that he has decided to do this and to remedy all of that suffering. And so, just to kind of remember, like, hey, he, he doesn't want you to, through suffering, run away from him or to、yeah. think that you need to put on some kind of hypocr- hip- hypocritical kind of front. But just to go to him, to talk to him about it, you know, even when you're just not understanding, you don't know why, and to just press in to your father during that time and to trust that he's got some kind of thing, you know, that he's going to produce and do in your life. And then, you know, just don't have this expectation that you're going to immediately see that yourself. Yeah, that's good. You know, you really,、mm-hmm. you really, Will probably spend your whole lifetime, especially with the deeper levels of pain that you've gone through, it'll probably take a lifetime to just sort of realize and see the way that ways that the Lord wants to, you know, use that thing in your life. I think too often people make a mistake of, you know, just directly connecting whatever pain they've gone through with exactly how God's going to redeem it, you know. So it's like, I was abused, therefore I'm going to minister to abused people. That might be a thing that God does in your life, but it could be something totally different that God is going to and wants to take out of all that ugliness、mm. and unfortunate stuff that's happened in your life that He wants to redeem for a, a different kind of purpose, you know? So just wait, be patient, see what the Lord does. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. If you're looking for some more content from Pastor Nate, please head over to nateholdridge.com. You can find a ton of podcasts there, articles that Nate is working on, and teachings that he gives at his home church, Calvary Monterey, and online. Also, while you're online, please consider going to the iTunes store or whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast. And please leave a rating and review. That would help us out a ton. But until next time, God bless you. We'll see you soon.